right. So, uh, hey, if you've got kids that need any of the uh, work masks, are they today? Stuff like that. Raise your hand if you want activities for your what? Creative masks. Yes, not not uh, not COVID nineteen masks. Uh, anybody? Show of hands. Okay, cool. So here's the deal. We're doing the best we can in these crazy times. Um, there's a lot of new people that have been coming over the past couple of weeks, so welcome to the sound. I feel because there's so many new people that, that have been coming in that we probably need to clarify a few things um, because churches, our church is a little weird and it's a little different. Um, so if you're new here, a couple, a couple of things, right? You'll notice that we do a lot of like just sitting around and soaking time. We worship a lot. We pray a lot. Uh, we have a lot of discussion time during the service, which is not very normal. Um, and so, you know, if you really like your services tight, if you like to be out of church by 1130 so that you can be at the restaurant by 12 o'clock, you know, it's probably not the sound. It's probably not the place for you. Like we we go long often. It's not like we're long winded. It's not like but we just enjoy our time together. We enjoy being together. We only do this once a week. And so we want to take full advantage of our time uh, together on Sundays. Uh, secondly, we do sit in the round. So that's weird. I know every time people come in for the first time and they see their, our seats set up like this, it's kind of confusing. Uh, we do this really intentionally. Sunday mornings is our huddle, right? So this is a team. We're all on the same team, working towards the same goals and purposes. I do not like the long format lecture church. Okay, no amens to that one. I don't like it. That's just my personal thing. That, like, it's nothing against the long format teachings. It's just not what we do here. Um, I, you know, the average American has an attention span of four to seven minutes. And so to teach for 40 minutes probably isn't going to do you much good, right? Um, the other aspect of like this, so what we do on Sunday mornings, rather than just giving you some long format teaching, we, we, we believe that Sunday mornings is, is kind of our, where we get our game plan for the week. You know, you're, we're all part of a ministry team here that's trying to bring the kingdom of God to our world, right? And so what we do is we gather up on Sundays, we go, okay, here's the game plan for the week. And at the end of service, we do, well, we, we haven't been huddling up because of coronavirus and all that, but yeah, you know, we have all these weird arbitrary rules, by the way. Can I just say this really quick? Is this okay? So my kids just went on a plane and they flew to Alabama or Atlanta. They flew into Atlanta. They were on a five-hour flight. Masks were required. Social distancing was required, but by the way, there was no, like everybody, the middle seats were taken. So you're shoulder to shoulder. So you social distance, shoulder to shoulder. And you had to wear masks. Masks were required unless you were snacking. And I'm like, hang on a second. Like my kids, like we're gonna buy them a bag of snacks and that's what they're gonna do. So like, we're trying to figure this out. I, I know I'm poking fun of the arbitrary rules. Here's the reality. We're gonna talk about this a little bit today. None of us have any freaking idea what's going on right now. You know what I mean? I mean, it depends where you're getting your your from, but nobody has any idea what's going on right now. This thing getting weirdly out of control, probably because of what's going on in our world, probably our different media sources all use the data for their own propaganda and purposes on all sides, by the way, conservative, liberal, and all that. Yeah. So here's what we're doing. We're just loving each other and we're loving this world, right? And we've said all along, what we're going to do is we're going to be people like the, uh, Paul teaches the Corinthian church that, hey, there's people who are, who are afraid of eating meat because it may have, it may have been worshiped, uh, used in, in sacrifices to idols. And he says, so around them, people who are being vegetarians because of that, just don't eat meat around them, all right? 
And one of the things that we learned was, you know, we wanted to have church again. And some people want to wear masks. There's a few people in here that want to wear We're not going to, like, poke fun of people who wear masks, and we're not going to do that out in the world either. Amen? It's totally okay and reasonable to, to do those types of things. Not a big deal. What we found is that people who were ready to come back to church didn't want to wear masks. And they were ready to hug each other. And we were sitting there doing it outside for a little while, and we just looked like a bunch of fools because all of our neighbors were running around with masks on and stuff, and we're like, you know what, let's just bring it inside. Like, they call church an essential thing in Orange County, by the way, so we're good. That's We are essential now. But I'm just kind of laying some other ground because this is a really crazy, confusing time, and none of us have any idea what's going on. All right? So we're just all doing the best we can. So we sit in the round, and we used to huddle up at the end of church, and we'd all put our hands in the middle, and we say, many voices, one call, which is our mission statement here, because here's the reality. You're all called to be in ministry, and you're called to take the gospel into your context, into your neighborhoods, into your families, into your workplaces. So you come here on Sunday morning just to get the game plan for the week, and PT and I and our staff here, we just get to coach you up and go, okay, here's, what, here's the game plan. Are we ready? One, two, three, four. Right? Is that pretty good? Okay, so we sit in the round. We like looking at each other. Amen? It's a good-looking group, if I do say so myself, right? So uh, we don't like to sit down face forward and be quiet for 40 minutes. That doesn't work here. So we, we gather up, we, we talk, we discuss. And you're, if you're new to this, prepare yourself. You're going to have to talk to other people today. I know it's hard. It's awkward. Our world is so isolated, right, where we all just like to be on our phones and you know, keep the screen as close to our face as possible so we don't see another human being. But I'll tell you what, we need connection in this world, yeah? And so we give you the time here to connect. So th there's some different things. We are moving. So again, I apologize if this is brand new and you live right here. We've been, we, Danielle and I have been at this church for, this is 11 years this week, by the way. So we've been here for 11 years and uh, about three years in, Danielle and I really felt like led to kind of change the way that we do church. Um, and th the drive of this is to put the hands, uh, put the, the ministry back in the hands of people as opposed to being ministers ourselves. Now, obviously, we're called to minister. But as pastors, our job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And so what we're doing, for those of you who don't know, we're, we're, the Startup Discipleship, which Matthew announced, is a program that we've, a pipeline that we've put together where we train you up uh, spiritually, we train you up in all the health stuff that PT does with TLP, so financial health, emotional health, mental health, relational health, physical health, and your spiritual health. And then we also, if you take Startups Plus, uh, Startups Plus teaches you business. And so you can develop a business, you can develop a nonprofit, you can develop an organization, you can develop a ministry. And part of the reason why we're selling this building is to buy a new building that is not just a sanctuary with kids' church rooms and offices, but an incubator space in the middle of downtown where you can start businesses. And those businesses are to reach the community with, with the gospel, and those businesses are to make disciples. If you can take a passion and make disciples and reach the community, then we're here to equip you to do that. And so we're gonna build an incubator space, and in two weeks we're gonna go walk through it, and you're gonna see how big this place is, it's really fun. By the way, you'd think 30,000 square feet is enough space, yeah, we're running out already. We're designing it with the architects, and I don't know how we're going to fit everything in there. It's going to be wild. But we're going to move downtown. Um, we did, I asked you guys a couple weeks ago to pray because the city needed to approve a couple things. They approved it on Tuesday. 
So we are one step closer. They say we're closing on the sale here on September 30th. So that's really soon. I don't believe it yet because we've had five different extensions so far. So I'll believe it when we close. Uh, we're supposed to close on our new building by October 5th, and then we'll be moving for the couple, first couple weeks of October, and at the end of October, we'll start having services in there. Does that make sense? Okay, so it's gonna be, this is going to get weird and wild, and I'm excited that there's new people, but it's unfortunate because if we're here and then we move, you got to come with us. It's, it's a lot of fun, and downtown has so much good food, so like even if we go late right after service, you can just walk over to 4th Street Market and, and grab some grub, all right? Yeah. Oh, sure. So Tiff says that I should warn you as to what you're going to see when you get there. You're going to see a big, big empty building. It's a furniture store right now, okay? There are brick walls, exposed brick walls and exposed uh, like ceiling trusses. And the crummiest carpet you've ever seen in your well, second crummiest carpet you've ever seen in your life. The carpet when we got here was teal with pink polka dots. That was the worst carpet we've ever. But the carpet there's it's it's kind of wonky. Um, and so when we move in, it's going to be a few months before we can start renovations. We have to repurpose the entire building for this incubator space, and in order to do that, we need the city's approval to turn it into what we want it to to be. So we're gonna go through about a three to six month process of just getting city approval. So we're gonna meet in this space and it's gonna be kind of weird for a little while. There's not many walls. You're probably gonna walk right in and you'll be in the giant sanctuary that's way too big for us. Um, we're gonna have a gym there. We're gonna have a coffee shop there eventually. I'm hoping we're gonna have a bike shop. I'm hoping that we're gonna have uh, maybe a hair salon. We're gonna have a bunch of different businesses that run downstairs. We're probably gonna have a uh, college upstairs and some office space that people can use. But it's gonna take six months to a year to really turn it around and turn it into the building that we want. So if you're in it with us, just buckle down. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. All right, so just, yeah, when we walk through it, I'll explain more. Uh, the floors are super wonky. It feels like there's little steps that kinda take you from elevation to elevation for no reason, especially upstairs. Tiff gets nauseous every time we're upstairs because the floor's a little off. We're gonna fix all that, all right? All right, this year we've been talking about realizing all of the promises of God that he has for us, and this was part of it. We've been you know, talking about this move in this new ministry model for a little over eight years now, and it's finally coming to pass this year, despite coronavirus despite all of the racial tensions, despite all of the political polarization that's happening, God's still working in all of this. Yeah, amen? By the way, if you haven't jumped on our YouTube channel yet, you should. We have a racial reconciliation roundtable that we've been doing. Uh, Marcus and Kimberly and Deborah Jane, uh, some of our black community here, has, have they decided that they wanted to kind of have their voice heard. And what we wanted to do was platform their voice. It's pretty fantastic stuff. Um, Look, as a white person, I can't wrap my head around all, all of this stuff. And what's interesting is a lot of people, uh, you know, particularly on Facebook and social media, are pretending like they completely understand everything that's going on in our world today. And the reality is, is like, we just can't. We all have very limited perspectives, right? And so people have watched it. A lot of, I've gotten a lot of feedback, a lot of really hard questions that have been asked, and they're all really good, that I don't have answers to necessarily. But it's worth a look. It's worth a watch. Hop on our YouTube channel, The Sound, 
and uh, go watch some of this stuff because, look, here's the deal. Every tribe, nation, tongue, people group coming before the throne of God. Amen? And we do represent that pretty well at the sound. I know, like, yeah, as coronavirus, I don't know if you've noticed this, but with coronavirus, um, the, the minority groups are tending to stay home a lot more than the white folks are. So right now when we look around, we look like a predominantly white church. We're not. Demographically, we're not. We usually have about 60 to 90 people who are watching online, and that's mostly our black community and Hispanic community. They're just not ready to come back out yet. And so we haven't been able, to, it's been hard because we haven't been able to have hard discussions and hard topics, uh, hard dialogues that we need to be having within the church because we're not all together. But here's the deal. We all need to be united even though we're not together. And that doesn't mean we need to think uniformly. We don't need to agree to accept and love one another. Amen? But I'm telling you, even if you disagree with everything that's said in those videos, it is so valuable just to hear perspective and to hear somebody else's experience as to what's going on during these times. All right? So hop on YouTube, watch those videos. They're really good. Uh, we got another one coming out this week. Super difficult. We're going to do a white privilege topic this week. So buckle down, people. Okay? All right. So we've been talking about as a plug for all of our videos. So we get, we're, um, we've been talking about uh, realizing our faith this year. Uh, we talked about realizing community, realizing honor, realizing the presence of God in our lives. We, last month, we talked about realizing the word of God. And boy, PT is just killing it right now, isn't he? Like every, every one of his sermons, I, we've, we've spaced out a little bit more, it feels. He was gone for a couple weeks. He put like a four-week sermon series into this concise one, one teaching. Fantastic stuff. This week, we're going to move into my favorite topic, which is prayer. I love prayer. Prayer is my favorite thing in the world. I can sit in this sanctuary, and by the way, uh, Pastor Mario, our Spanish pastor here, he'll, he'll, he'll tell you this now, I can sit in the sanctuary for hours and just pray, because he walks in often, and he's like, I am so sorry. He's not used to me being in here all the time, because he's brand new. But I pray a lot. I love prayer. Um, we're going to start with James chapter 5, verse 16. If you have your Bible, uh, if you have an app, the Bible app on your phone, you can follow along with our notes there. All of our discussion questions and all of that stuff is in the Bible app that will be on the screens as well. You go to events, or you go to more events, and then the sound. So James chapter 5, verse 16 says this, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You want to read that together? The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and and effective. Now, if you read this in the context of James, he's talking specifically about miracle and effective. So first off, what is prayer? Well, I looked it up. There, there are 222 spoken prayers in the Bible. And by the way, I am of the belief, and you can fight me on this, that prayer is spoken. It is not thought. Prayer should be spoken out loud. And here's why. The power of life and death is in the tongue. It's in the tongue. And so you need to speak out your prayers. And if you think your prayers aren't being answered, maybe it's because you're just thinking them quietly before the Lord. I am all for quiet time, by the way. I think we need to have quiet time. I think we need to meditate. I think we should sit and ponder things. It's what Mary did when the angel of the Lord told her that she was going to birth the Savior of humanity. She said, you know what? I'm just going to go sit on this for a little while. I'm going to ponder this. Right? Oftentimes in prayer, we go, okay, Lord, I got my laundry list. Here it is take over, and we walk out of the room. And the Lord's like, I wanted to answer those prayers, but you're gone already. Okay, thank you, right? And so we should have quiet time, but I believe our prayers should be spoken out loud. There are 222 spoken prayers 
in the Bible, they can kind of be buckled down into these like four or five categories. And the first and the most prominent in the Bible is thanks. Thanks. By the way, we're supposed to be giving thanks all the time, according to Paul. And even when there's nothing that you think that, you're thankful, that you should be thankful for, uh, you're breathing right now? You know the very breath that you have in your lungs is gifted to you by God? Thank God that I'm breathing. Amen? Thank God that he gives me new mercies every single morning. It's morning again. Woo! Got new mercies today, right? There's always something that we can be thankful for. Give thanks always. The second type is worship or praise or adoration. Now, this is another really prominent one, by the way, and it's the second most commanded action in the Bible is to sing or to sing a new song. That's why we spend a lot of time, right? The songs that we sing are not just songs. They're, they're prayers that we're lifting up, right? I'm losing you already. Okay, here we go. Consecration is another one. Consecration means to set something apart. So, uh, you know, probably the most easy way to see this one is like a lot of churches we do this as well is to, uh, like you, you, uh, you dedicate your children unto the Lord, right? We don't do uh, infant baptisms, that they be set apart. Now, you've probably been to some really Pentecostal people's houses, and maybe some of you do this, and it's kind of cool. We did it when we got to this building. But maybe when you first move into a new place, you pray over that place, and you anoint it with oil. Yeah? Right? You ever get, like, you, get, you ever get in a really good, fun Pentecostal group where you do that? We skip, is Michelle Fritchie? Oh, Michelle Fritchie's here. We, I'm, 11 years ago, we scared Michelle Fritchie big time because we prayed over the building, and somebody had oil, and they put crosses on every door. They anointed every single door. And the next day, Michelle came in, and she was like, I think we got marked by, like, a gang. <laughs> oh, okay. So, <laughs> but it was hysterical, because, I, you know, I was like, man, I didn't even... Well, we were just anointing the building. We were consecrating the building. We were... Oh, there you go. Well, I was mistaken. I'm sorry, Michelle. But we, we consecrated the building. We were setting the building apart. Does that make sense? So you can pray for things to be set apart. Petitioning. So usually this is defined in two different ways. One is supplication, which is, you know, prayers for yourself. Like I'm coming before the Lord. You can supplicate for other people, but generally speaking, the supplication and intercession. If I'm in me in the church, not intercession, but the idea of petitioning God. We are to ask God for things. And for some odd reason, the Western American church has made that like, you're being selfish. How dare you? If you're doing anything that's asking for self, then boo on you, church. And I don't know if you've read your Bible, but the vast majority of prayers that happen within are asking for provision or healing, or deliverance, or forgive me, or bless me, Lord, or provide for me, Lord, or give me relief, Lord, or bring judgment upon that group, Lord. And I'm not saying they're all right or wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like, David prays a lot of prayers where you're like, hey, David, you're kind of missing it, buddy. You know what I'm saying? Not every prayer is a prayer that should be prayed necessarily, but did you know that people are praying all the time, Lord, give me grace. Lord, destroy that people. Like people are asking. People are asking for guidance and direction. They're asking for victory in the midst of battles. They ask for revelation. They ask 
God, bring miracles my way. Two guys even pray for their own death, by the way. Elijah and Jonah. They sit there and go like, Lord, take out. Now here's what I want to know. Here, I want to use this because I want you to understand. If you start praying some of these prayers, God's allowed to say no. If you're allowed to ask, then he's allowed to say no. And that's what he does with Elijah and with Jonah. They both pray like, Lord, I'm ready. And God's like, no, you're not. I got more for you to do. Right? Hezekiah prays for longer life. What's interesting about this, though, is we have this concept within Western American Christianity that we're not allowed to ask for things. The, the, and you, you've heard this before. People will say you're not supposed to treat God like an ATM machine. Where every time you come before him, you scan your card, you put in the code, oh, Jesus, J-E, you know, I, I punch in my password, J-E-S-U-S, and then if I put in the Jesus password, ask him to give me money or provide for me, and then I walk away. And I understand what that means, right? That's the heart. is like all you're doing is using God to, for your own gain. Yeah, that's wrong. I get that. But we've taken that way too far, and we've said, well, we're not really supposed to ask God for anything because that's just selfish, and we're not supposed to be selfish people. Well, if you read the prayers throughout the Bible— it's totally okay to be like, Lord, bless me. It's totally okay. It's totally okay to be like, Lord, I just need provision right now, and I will take five king kingdoms worth of riches. You're allowed to do that. He is allowed to say no, but it's okay to pray those prayers. Petitions are okay. Amen? Do we need to say this all, all together? It's okay to petition. Okay. <laughs> it is! Okay. And the, and the last one, and this is everybody's favorite, is just communion. The t communion prayers, which is just spending time with Jesus. Look, I don't know if you understand and can wrap your head around the fact that the creator of the entire universe, the one who hung every star in the sky and named it by, by name individually, the one who created every blade of grass, every grain of sand on every beach, on every planet, he wants to know you. He wants to be with you. And there is something really special about just coming in and having a conversation with God. It's hard. It's awkward at first. You sit there and go, I don't think I'm hearing anything. And when you sit down and you pray, it's like, wait a second, but I've got 20,000 things to do today, right? I, I got to go to the store. I've got to do my laundry. Okay, scribble it up. You need to have communion prayer with God. Jesus and me time, all right? I'm just beating through this, but here we go. First discussion, which types of prayer are you strong in and which types of prayer can you grow in? Break off into groups of like three, five-ish and answer those questions. Where are you strong and where can you grow? All right, bring it back in. So, I love hearing this stuff from you, and unfortunately, because we're already over, we're not going to go around. I love hearing that. I'm sorry. I took way too long this morning talking about who we are and where we're going, but we're good, yeah? So the prayer of the righteous is what? It's powerful and effective. I'll tell you what's ineffective. There are seven pillars of society. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but it's often taught in you know government classes and history classes. Seven pillars of society. I think all seven are pretty ineffective. The first pillar is politics. Can I, can I send some fire your way? Can I, can I call you to buckle up for a second? If you believe that any politician can transform or save this nation, 
you are partaking in idol worship. If you believe that any politician can transform or save this nation, you are participating in idol worship. Politician can save or transform this nation. Listen, can I set some people free right now? Trump cannot save you. And Trump cannot save this nation. Neither can Biden. Neither can the Republican Party or the Democratic Party or the Libertarian Party or the Green Party or any other party. Maybe a Jesus party can save this nation. <laughs> a Holy Ghost party. Look. Democracy cannot save us. Capitalism cannot save us. Communism cannot save us. Socialism cannot save us. No. No government or political structure or economic structure can save or transform this world. It is only Jesus. And frankly, I am so exhausted by the emails and the direct messages claiming that these political leaders are godly and prophetically anointed people. Because according to Romans 13, they all are. Romans 13 says every governing authority is appointed by God. So look, I'm getting emails that are like, and the Trump shall resound. And I'm like, eh that Bible verse. But here's the deal. Yes, he was a but so was Obama, according to Romans 13. So was Saddam Hussein, according to Romans 13. So was Hitler. So was Stalin. All governing authorities are appointed by God. That doesn't mean they're good. Can I get an amen? Okay. So look, let's, let's just stop putting our faith in political systems. Like We are going to be pounded with this for the next few months and thereafter. We cannot put our faith in ineffective political systems because, frankly, every government and political and economic system is faulty and corrupt because it has been implemented and designed by their very nature are corrupt and faulty. If there's one thing that should be evident through these past few months... It is that politics are highly ineffective at getting anything done. Okay. Is that fair? Let me take it further. Education. The smarter we become, the more educated we become, the more technologically advanced that we become, the worse the world has gotten. The trees in the Garden of Eden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil here you know what i'm saying like we we put our trust in like i'm not against education as a whole but when we put our faith in education as if it's effective and powerful it's not it's a system we all should learn and by the way lifelong learner here i love reading i love learning i still take classes i'm 37 years old i love learning but my faith is not going to be put into an education system it pales in comparison to the wisdom and knowledge of god Whew. Told you we needed to get to the good stuff. How about business? Like, here's like, so here's to be fair, because most of you guys know I hate politics, and most of you know that I'm not really all for the education system. I think it's kind of broken. Let's talk about the ones that I actually do like. Business. I like business. We're going to be planting a bunch of businesses. Can I get an amen that businesses cannot save or transform this world? They cannot do it. Look, I don't know if you've noticed, but the billionaires all got richer. While most of us are scrambling to keep a paycheck, all of the billion, like Elon Musk's went up 36 percent the guy was already the richest man in the world business at its core is corrupt and faulty 
And so we need to stop putting our faith in the business system, in the economic system. I love family. This is another pillar of society. I love family. I love my family. I love the idea of family. But how many of you know the family system can be corrupted and can be faulty? And if we're putting, like, this is a huge, like, you know, Christian movement that we need to always, you know, secure and, and keep the family unit together. And I, I get it. And I even, I agree. But if, if the end goal is to keep the family unit together, then we're missing the entire point. The goal is the gospel. The goal is the kingdom. It's not family. Now, it's God's family, but it's not the family unit. And that family unit, by the way, these days looks very different for most families, right? I mean, PT and Laura, eight kids. We stopped at two. There's a dramatic difference. Like, I understand that it's still husband, wife, and, you know, a few kids. But there's a dramatic difference between having eight children and having two. So we can't put our faith in the family unit because the family unit's so diverse within even white American culture. Okay? Okay, I'm preaching. Watch out. Arts. I love the arts. Creativity is my thing. It's my shtick. I love it. The arts cannot save us. The arts are not powerful and effective. I understand that they can be powerful and convey. Thank you. Has anyone found social media to be effective at change? It doesn't change anything. Social media is one big echo chamber where all you do is you spit out what you believe into the void and people spit it right back to you. Nobody wants a real discussion. Nobody is going on social media to have their minds changed, to hear other perspectives. Everybody on social media is only there to have their perspective heard. <laughs> Okay, I have found social media to be completely ineffective, even at what I use it for is only to promote events at the church. And I have never had a single person ever come and be like, hey, you know what? I saw your invite to the worship night on Instagram this week, so I just showed up. It's never happened. So even what I've used it for, it's completely ineffective and not powerful. Now, it's in, beyond social media, the media, both liberal and conservative, giant echo chamber, it just spits back at you what you want to hear because they realize they can sell you more advertisements they can make more money if they keep your viewing by the way this is most easy to see i know it's hard to see on like the cable networks and such but any if you hop on youtube and search for something completely random that you're never involved in right so go on today and search chihuahua care I guarantee tomorrow you will have suggestions regarding chihuahuas because there's algorithms that are in place to feed back to you what you want to hear. It's not effective, not powerful, doesn't change anything. <laughs> the Bible says that in the last days people will turn away from sound doctrine because they just want to have their ears tickled. This is the media age that we live in. The media just tickles our ears. It spits right back at us what we want to hear. No one is online to hear someone else. Everyone is interested in being heard. 
6,000 years of human history and of religion. <laughs> and I believe that as a whole, it's caused far more damage, far more destruction to humankind than good. It's brought about more division, more strife, more legalism, more famine, more wars, more depravity. You can name it. Religion doesn't work. We all know this, right? I mean, we're in a modern Christian church where this is about having a relationship with God. But what's interesting is we all have a tendency to fall back into this because we think that it's powerful and effective. When you sit there and pray and it's not working, you probably have some religious tropes that you follow that you go back to, right? Some only come out through prayer and fasting, so this means I'm going to fast this time, right? We don't even ask God if we should fast. We just do it because we know we're supposed to. And we all have these tendencies. Is this fair? Am I just being too mean? Okay, here's the deal. What is powerful and effective? The prayer of the righteous. By the way, in the Bible, we'll close. Prayer controls the weather. Cool it off, baby. <laughs> Prayer can control the weather. Prayer can cause nations to rise and fall, to stand still in the middle of the day. Prayer causes children to be conceived. Prayer causes healing to come, miracles to be performed, and even quickened. Demons to flee, the dead to be raised. Prayer is powerful and effective. When every other pillar in society just falls apart, prayer works. And I know we know this because we say it all the time, yet for some odd reason, it seems to me to be the most neglected aspect of our walk with God in the modern church. We love worship. We do. We love teaching. We listen to sermons and podcasts and stuff all day long. But when I ask people, how much do you pray? When people come in and they're like, man, I'm just going through a rough time. Oh, how's your prayer life? Uh, okay, here's what you do. You go into the sanctuary right now, and that hour that you plan to come talk to me, you just talk to God instead. Every single time, it works. You know why? Because he's listening, and he likes to talk back to us. And frankly, about your situation than any pastoral counselor ever could. Amen? And he's going to have far more powerful and effective things for you to do than I could ever give you. Now, look, I'm all for godly counsel. It's fine. But you don't need me. We are not in the Mosaic system anymore. You don't need Moses to go up the mountain and talk to God for you. You can talk to him yourself. And so, church, this is the game plan for the week. I just want you to go pray. You can come here. You can pray. If you need to get alone and pray, you can pray here. That room is probably my favorite room. It used to be our prayer room. It was, now it's a chair room. <laughs> but here's what I do, and I still do this to this day. Yeah, we're going to, we'll do this next week. Um, here's the deal. I like to go in that prayer room, and I, I, I take, because now it's a chair room, I take two chairs, and I just set them up across from each other. One's for me, one's for God. It's just a good reminder for me. I'll just set them up. I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm here. Your turn. No agendas. I mean, there's stuff that I'm going to need to pray about, obviously, but we're just going to sit, and I'm going to wait until you speak, because I want you to have the floor first. I'll tell you what. <laughs> you feel crazy talking to an empty chair? 
the glory of the Lord is sitting in the chair. <laughs> some people, look, some people like to walk around, talk. Nalisa, I know you are like the warfare type. Like she marches and she's declaring things. PT, every time I've seen him in prayer, he's, he's worshiping or he has worship music on. PT's a mover. I like to kneel. I, I haven't done it recently, maybe because, you know, I'm not a person anymore, but I used to wear through the knees of my pants on a regular basis, right, Daniel? Remember that? It's like six months. I'd have a pair of jeans for six months max, holes in the knees. I just, there's something about kneeling for me. It's a positional thing. I, it humbles me. God has corrected me often about checking my pride. So I will get before him and I will kneel or I will lay down on my face. And it, it is a position for me that's like, it's you, not me, right? I don't, it doesn't matter how you pray, you know, where you're going to pray. It could be at your house, it could be in prayer closet, it could be, look, I, I recommend not doing it at Starbucks. You can pray at Starbucks and it's good. You can go on a date to Starbucks and it's good. But you can't have intimacy at Starbucks. Super inappropriate to be intimate. You need to go alone to be intimate. In the same way, if you want to be intimate with the Lord, you need to get alone for a little while, right? Because, by the way, you're going to snot, you're going to cry, you're going to scream, you're going to yell, you're going to get mad, you're going to get super happy, you're going to laugh your butt off. Like, if you really encounter the living God, something's going to happen. Probably don't want to be doing that at Starbucks, right? But here's the deal. Pray without ceasing. This is it. Like this week, this is the mandate. I just want you to pray wherever you're at in every situation. And whatever your normal prayer time is, double it. My prayer time, I tithe on my time. So I give God two and a half hours every single day. 2.4, right? He gives us 24 hours a day. I'm giving him two and a half back. I'll read a devotion. I'll pray for a really long time. Worship a little bit. But that's my... And people say, well, you can do that because you're a pastor. Mm -mm. I've always done that. Since I got saved, I, I, that was that was my... that was. That was my day-to-day -day routine. I'm giving him two and a half hours. It has nothing to do with me having the time. You have the time. There's a, a remote on your coffee table. There's a little power button on the top of it. You push that button, your TV turns off. You have time. There's a, <laughs> there's a, there's a button right here. See that? You push that. Watch. This is magic. You ready? Oh. There's even one on your phone. It turns it off. Put it down. Walk away from it. Get with the Lord this week. Amen? All right, let's stand together. Come on up, Zoe. Told you we go long here. We got to two different discussions. What do we got? You got a song? All right. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to reflect for a few minutes while, while Zoe leads us in, in, in another worship song. You are welcome to sing along, but I want you to really reflect on how you can implement this word for yourself personally. Maybe it's for your family or other people that you lead. But how can I pray without ceasing this week? What's that look like for me? Where am I going to get more time? By the way, you know, if you're still at home, you got all the time in the world to be praying right now. But how can I get along? How can I get alone? How can I get to a prayer closet? 
can I come to the church just to pray for a little while? But just spend a few minutes just reflecting and saying, God, like, tell me what I'm supposed to be doing this week. Because he's going to connect with you in a different way than he's going to connect with me. You might need to go out on prayer walks. Get out in nature. Perfectly good. All right? So just spend a few minutes in prayer, and then we'll close it up.